Morning, Sanctuary family. Happy Father's Day. It's so great to be with you. Uh, my name's Rashad Clemens. I'm a pastor up in Boston, right up I-95 from you um, at a church called Reality Boston. And I absolutely love your church, what God's been doing in the city of Providence and the state of Rhode Island. Um, I've been um, friends with Andrew and Corey um, for a long time, even in your early days in the little gallery space on the west end of Providence, I remember spending hot summer days in there praying that this church would be an outpost for the kingdom in Providence as it is in heaven. And so um, I wish I could be with you in person, but I'm so glad I'm able to speak some word of encouragement and be with you virtually today. And so I know that you have been in a series on hearing from God and then you took a week during the Floyd's death to pray and to show up in your city and to lament and to talk about what it means to be just. And um, I don't think the hearing from God and the response to the Floyd, those are two mutually exclusive directions that we do justice from a posture of prayer and hearing God's voice and seeking the Father. And that's what I want to talk about today. And so I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 3, just verse number 1. Read with me. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Let me pray for our time. Father, we just ask you to meet with us here today or watching a screen and looking for hope. We pray that you would meet us, God. Your word is alive and it has power. And so we pray that you would speak to us through your word for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as a church, capital C, Church, we have a unique moment and opportunity to pray the same thing, to collectively use our voices and ask God to hear our prayer. This is an unprecedented time in history where so many people are actually having their eyes open to the injustices that are happening right here in our soil. And I feel like for so many passionate leaders that I'm talking to that it feels so overwhelming that we're just like, we need God to show up because this is so much bigger than our skill set, than how we were trained and what we were taught in seminary. And Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, they said like, Lord, like we couldn't do this certain act. And Jesus said, there's certain things that are only going to happen through prayer. And so essentially Jesus is saying like, if you become a people of prayer, you can change the world. Walter Wink says this, history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. And this time in history, we have an opportunity as the church to play a role in changing the world. And there's so many of us that are using our voices to speak to power, to petition government and leaders and systems and unjust laws for those who don't have a voice, for those who have been oppressed and marginalized. And I say, 
keep going. That's what we should do. But in addition to that, we have an opportunity to collectively use our voices and petition the king of all the earth. To use our voices and to pray for our nation and our city and our people and the divide that's going on and petition heaven for change and for heaven to come. Amen? And we have an opportunity to be a prophetic people. If you look at the early church, they prayed the same thing. They were deeply in community and they cared about the same things. And for some reason, when they prayed, things happened. Things changed. People asked how they could be saved. Gentiles and Jews broke bread together. They prayed and officials were asking about who this Jesus is and they turned their world upside down. And so what you believe about prayer will shape your prayer, will determine the rhythm of when you pray and what you pray for and how you pray. And I think this is a time for us as a church to be a people of prayer. And not just people who think that prayer is a good idea or a good sentiment or just something that we should do, but something that's imperative for us to live and thrive and see the kingdom of God come. I'll tell you a story of when I first came to Jesus and um, I had a praying mother. And I believe that I am following Jesus today because of the prayers of my mom and this group of women that she used to pray with. And after I got saved, I would go to these prayer meetings with these ladies and they would pray. When I say pray, I mean they were praying. Like they were praying as though their lives depended upon it. And they wouldn't get up from their prayer until they had a, a, a peace that God heard their prayer. So they had a peace that God was on it. I want you to listen to this quote by one preacher in England. Here's what he says about prayer. He says, nothing seems to be too great, too hard, too difficult for prayer to do. It has obtained things that seemed impossible and out of reach. It has won victories over fire, air, earth, and water. Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought fire from the sky and Elijah's sacrifice. Prayer turned the counsel of Ephitophel into foolishness. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib. Well, might Mary, Queen of Scots, say, I fear John Knox's prayer more than an army of 10,000 men. Prayer has healed the sick. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has procured the conversion of souls. The child of many prayers shall never perish. Prayers pains, and faith can do anything. There's a power in prayer. There's a power to change the hearts of kings, rulers, government, administration, corrupt systems, hate groups, and a power to change us. Our prayers grow in power and boldness as we begin to realize and understand the God who that views us, how God views us. Like we pray with confidence knowing that 
what he responds to and how he wants to respond and what he wants to do in the world. And, Jesus, and, and the book of Hebrews does a masterful job of pointing us to the superiority and greatness of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 3, right in the beginning of, of verse 1, it says, Therefore. And that therefore is a continuation of the previous thought. It's in light of Hebrews chapter 2, where it says that Jesus is a faithful and merciful priest. He's a faithful and merciful high priest. He's a sympathizing helper. And he has been brought here to stand with us to petition the Father on our behalf. That was the job of a priest, to go to God on behalf of the people. And so Jesus goes to God on behalf of us, gives himself, and in return, we have unlimited access to the Father through prayer. And when I think of that, I just, I wonder why so often I bypass prayer. And I think it's probably because I think I can get it done myself. And, and I understand having a message in today's climate and charging the church to pray may feel passive. It, it may feel inactive. It may feel weak. It may feel lazy. But what we believe about prayer shapes how we pray. And for me personally, when I bypass prayer, it's probably bigger than I'm worried about it being lazy or passive. I'm more worried that God's not going to answer it. And so I'm the problem of being worried that God's not going to answer it is oftentimes I just don't do it. I don't knock. I don't seek. I don't press in. And I try to do it on my own. And the truth is that God has done more for us than we could ever ask for. And he can do far more for us than we could ever expect if we ask. I remember as a kid, I would... um get nervous to, to knock on my parents' door, especially my mom's door, um, early in the, in the morning. And I would often I sit there and contemplate, should I knock? And oftentimes just not do it at all because I was worried about being rejected. Like, not right now. I'm not going to talk to you or just to get silenced. And I, and I wonder if that's Oftentimes when we take to God, we don't think he's going to respond to us. And we think that our efforts are not going to work. And so we go and try to figure things out on our own. And oftentimes the thought of rejection keeps us from knocking. So it, so it says in the passage, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, Jesus this great high priest who has surpassed the greatness of Moses calls us family. He calls us brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, that you are holy, that you are set apart. You are a prized and special people for God's glory in the earth. And so our identity as being sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, gives us access to the Father. 
We don't have to live in a spirit of rejection. We don't have to live defeated. We have acceptance in the beloved. So Ephesians 1, 6 says, we are accepted because we are his children. Jesus makes us family. We are holy brothers and sisters. And Jesus, this is, this is how he would pray. This was his posture, that he would pray to the Father. And the religious leader would always ask, like, who does this guy think he is? Who does he think he is? And Jesus knew that God was his Father and he was God's Son. And so I ask you, who do you think you are? Who do you know you are? Who do you think you are in relation to God, especially when we talk about prayer? Do you believe, you might believe that God's a father, but you might think that he's a father that's unapproachable. You might believe he's a father to someone else, but he hasn't accepted you as a son or a daughter. And you might come from a home or from a family of dysfunction, but I just want to say that Jesus doesn't reject. He doesn't abandon. He doesn't shame. He doesn't forsake. He lays down his life and he gently invites us in to his acceptance, his healing, his courage, hope, possibility, and belovedness. And the passage goes on to say, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling. And sometimes we hear the word share, we see it all throughout the New Testament. And we, I think of sometimes like someone's breaking off a piece of the sandwich and give it to me and I'm kind of reluctant to take it because it's not really mine. And Jesus is saying, no, this is yours. You are a part of this. You have a share in this. You are an integral part of what God is doing in the earth. You are a partner in the heavenly calling to bring heaven to earth. Like what if we took that posture, that mindset to the prayer mat? Another version says that, um, about this passage, that it says that you are partakers of a heavenly calling. And so this language is borrowed from Exodus 19. And here's what, what commentator says about it. He says, Israel was called by God to be a kingdom of priests to bring the world back to God. That's, we're, the, we're called to bring the world back to God as a kingdom of priests. That means that we have to use our voice and our access to God on petition for our world around us to bring the world back to God. And we have a strong part to play because we are part of his family. We are sons and daughters that have been grafted into the household of God. And it says that we should fix our thoughts on Jesus. It says fix your thoughts on Jesus. And that word fix is to direct one's whole mind on an object. To immerse your whole self with the anticipation of being apprehended. Contemplate on who Jesus is, on who he says he is, on who he says you are, and let that penetrate your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and let that posture how you pray and how you approach God. The author is imploring us to consider attentively. Like that's, when he says fix, he's saying consider. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider who he is. Consider what he's done. And it's the same word that's in Luke 12, 27. It says, consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. See, fruit change comes from being rooted deeply in Christ. He said that we abide in him, that we will bear fruit. And this is like... We can't do any justice in the world if we are not abiding deeply in Jesus. Listen, it's really, I'm sweating, it's really easy to get fixed on everything that's going on around us. In our world, there's so many ideas and perspectives and prerogatives and prognostications and all these things can, I think, and just slowly pull us away. But what if in the midst of this chaotic time that we got fixed on Jesus, that we got really locked in and moved by the person of Jesus and what he's done and what he's doing and what he wants to do for the world? And what if we let that posture our prayer? What if we took all the pain and the travail and the angst of our world and we positioned ourselves and brought it to Jesus with our whole selves and we fixed ourselves on him and we said, Jesus, we need you to take care of this with the whole church, locked arms and prayed this way and, and postured themselves this way for the world. It says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And it's imperative that we come back to our confession of who Jesus is. He's our apostle and high priest. He was sent to us by God to show the heart of the Father. And he goes to God on our behalf and he pleads to God to, to save and to heal and to rescue and to redeem. And priesthood and apostleship, like those two things mean that Christ is our mediator. He mediates a better covenant with better promises. He knows all our pain, our frustration, our hurt, and our need. And he says, don't bypass prayer. Bring it to me. Prayers is not passive. They aren't hopeless. They aren't a roll of the dice. If you think you long for justice, change, and reconciliation, imagine how the heart of Jesus aches. And so my prayer is at church that we will be a people that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that we become a prophetic people who are seeking God's face and hearing his voice and that we are engaging in the brokenness of our world from a posture of prayer and seeking his face. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we just... We bless you and we thank you that you sit on the right hand of the Father Jesus and you are interceding for us and our world. And God, I just pray that we would say rooted and grounded in you. You are the Prince of Peace. And I pray that we would be people of peace because we know who our Father is. And so God, I ask you to bless everyone in your church to be a blessing to the world, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.